Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, And our topic today is Let's Stress Less, which we thought was a timely topic in this busy holiday season and as we approach the end of the year. Today, we're going to focus on mindfulness, which calls us to be present here and now. Mindfulness is an essential practice as we take our yoga off the mat and into the world. We're going to be discussing simple actions we can take to cultivate ease, decrease anxiety, and improve our self-care. I'm joined today by Gina Beagle, licensed marriage and family therapist who is a psychotherapist, researcher, speaker, and author in the San Francisco Bay Area who specializes in mindfulness-based work with adolescents. She is founder of Stressed Teens, which has been offering mindfulness-based stress reduction for teens to adolescents, families, schools, professionals, and the community since 2004. Today, we'll be discussing her book, Be Mindful and Stress Less, 50 Ways to Deal with Your Crazy Life. She also has a new book coming out in just a few weeks called Take in the Good, Skills for Staying Positive and Living Your Best Life. You can find out more about Gina, her books, and events at her website, StressedTeens.com. She's also active on Twitter and Facebook, at StressedTeens. Welcome, Gina Beagle. I'm delighted to be with you on the Yoga Hour today. I'm very happy to be here, and it's a wonderful time of year to uh, work on stressing less. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So before we begin our dialogue about stressing less with mindfulness, let's, let's begin with a moment of contemplation. Oh. So let's begin just right where we are, wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, just bring your attention to your body to your body in space and feel all the parts of your body that are touching whatever surfaces are supporting you. So if you're walking, feel the ground. If you're sitting, where does your body touch the chair or you know, wherever you're sitting on? And just notice, just bring your attention to your body. And then bring your attention to your breath. So just Follow the natural rhythm of your breathing as you notice an inhale 
and exhale. Just following the natural flow. <clears throat> Noticing the cool air as it enters the body and the warm air flowing out. And just as we are present, feeling our breath and resting right where we are, here's something to contemplate, a poem taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's book of poetry, The Moon Reminded Me. It's called Anahata, which is a Sanskrit term for the heart center and actually means unstruck, anahata, unstruck. Listen with presence, like the fingers of a cellist listen to the strings. Listen with presence, like the fingers of a cellist listen to the strings, like the moon listens to the sun, like a bee listens to the fuchsia bell and loses himself in the whirl. Like the mind listens to the heart, tastes the sound of bliss and meets the self again. Once again, Gina Beagle, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm delighted you're here with me today to discuss your book, Be Mindful and Stress Less. As we've talked about, I think this is a particularly important topic right now in the last few weeks of the year that are so hectic for so many of us. And I've really enjoyed your book and found it to be very helpful and accessible. So what inspired you to write the book? Right. Well, I actually wrote a deck of cards the year before called Be Mindful, a card deck for teens. And they're really quick, accessible cards with titles and just simple little, really simple little quick practices. And um, the card deck was doing very well. And Shambhala, my publisher, um, had contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a book on the cards. And I thought, well, of course, because I wasn't really able to, um, you know, flesh out all of these topics that I brought to light in the cards. And I had come up with different acronyms, which we'll be talking about today in the cards to kind of create three different sections. And so it was a really natural um, next step for me to write this book. And what I liked about it is that it's it's 50 short chapters. And so it makes it accessible really for anyone, whether you're an adult or a teen, and you can really just kind of pick up a chapter anytime and there's practices and there's acronyms and ways to really I think make it very accessible to people and, and their busy lives. Yeah no ab absolutely that's one of the things I really enjoyed is you know each chapter is really just like a couple of pages it's really very accessible. So although your work has been with teens it really strikes me that this is really great stuff for everyone like I was really you know learning a lot as well and um the helpful acronyms as we'll talk about. So, um, you know, you know, what, what are your thoughts about that? Obviously you're focusing on teens, but, um, it seems like a lot of adults need to learn this stuff as well. 
I really appreciate you asking me this question. Um, although my work started with teens and is still focused on teens, I've been definitely known as the person to bring mindfulness to teens. And I'm I'm honored and grateful for that. And the movement when I first started, there wasn't one. It was kind of like a few of us on an island, different islands doing our work for mindfulness and education. And now there's a, a large movement 15 years later. Um, but when you think about bringing mindfulness into your life and you look at the adult program for which my program is based, the Adult Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program by John Kabat-Zinn, otherwise referred to as MBSR, my work is MBSRT for teens. But when you look at the adult program, it requires a lot of formal practice. It requires a lot of time, setting a lot of time aside to practice mindfulness. And I'm definitely not saying that practice is an important and valuable what I am saying though is let's say there's you know 16 hours in a waking day and you spend you know 30 minutes to formal practice, there's 15 and a half hours left in the day. I am um, what my work does and focuses on is those 15 and a half hours. It's like how do you bring mindfulness to everything you're already doing? Because when I was learning mindfulness, I found that I was having difficulty sometimes bringing it into my life. And because I wasn't being taught all the ways you could bring it into your life informally. And I would learn a lot about how to do it with chores or, you know, you know, ma making food or taking a shower. But what about all the things you love to do? Why not bring mindfulness to your hobbies and your interests and all the things you're doing already? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and uh, you know, for us here at the Yoga Hour, you know, it really is, you know, how do we bring those practices, you know, not just, you know, for that hour a day or whatever that people go to class or they're, you know, half an hour or, you know, however long meditation practice daily, you know, which is part of, of yoga as well. Um, how do we bring it into every single moment of every, you know, single day? And, it, and we're all talking about that now, the now, you know, that wonderful time which is really the only time that we have is the now and that now goes on as you said all through the day so that's great so talking about teens you know which we um don't focus on as much i think um i thought it would be useful to you know hear your thoughts about what special challenges teens face in dealing with stress well, I think that the biggest thing that is different from when you or I were a teen was, you know, the internet and devices, all of these devices that are so accessible to teens and to us that are very, very helpful, but at the same time, really kind of change that idea of silence and that level of attention and focus. I think that even 15 years ago, when I was first teaching this, the idea of working with silence and having a teen really tune into their thoughts and tune into their breath and listen to what comes in their arises in their mind moment to moment, I found to be a challenge. Now, you know, fast forward 15 years later and you have social media and all of these things pulling away at someone's attention. Right. I'm finding that it, it becomes very difficult for teens to really, you know, tune in and turn inward and look at themselves and see, you know, what are, explore their own feelings, their own sense of being in this world when they're constantly in, you know, in, um, in, impacted by what what they're receiving in their outside world right right and it so seldom gets turned off you know devices there's not usually device free time you know during the day unless people are you know more conscious of that and really try and create that i mean we tend to you know look at our phones i don't know i don't know what the statistics are like thousands of times a day something like well, i think that. it's i think it's important to note that a teen is not going to turn off their devices a teen is not going to say, oh, wow, I've been on a little bit too long today. I'm going to turn this off. I mean, I think, adult, I think adults have a hard time doing that. So if, if parents 
think that they're a teen is going to turn off and self-regulate and self-modulate their own um, phone use and internet use, I think that is a big problem. And so therefore, we need to be sharing with them some ways to be skillful with their devices and mindful with their devices, as well as ourselves. I mean, I can... There are times where I've been attached to my device for far too long. And and I think that's important to notice when we mindfulness is not just about noticing the, the pleasant or the enjoyable and the, the pretty. It's also about noticing when things are hard or difficult or right. challenging. And that's also being mindful when we've noticed we're like stuck in the device and, and taking a step back. OK. And instead of being harsh about it, just noticing, all right, I've, I've gone too far. I've been on this too long. Let me just take a, a brief pause, a brief step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a great time to turn to your definition of mindfulness, which you give in the book as noticing your thoughts, feelings, and physical sensations in the present moment without harmful judgment. So that's just what you were just saying, you know, the without harmful judgment, the non-judgmental, you know, which is also a you know practice in, in yoga. So why do you think that's an important part, that non-judgmental, you know, aspect as an important part of mindfulness? So I'm going to clarify, a lot of the mindfulness definitions out there will say non-judging or non-judgment. Um, I actually say without harmful judgment, and there's a mm. distinction, because yeah. every, everyone's judging. We're all judging. And so if we set teens up to be non-judging, in their mind, it's like, oh, well, then if I judge anything, I'm wrong. Mm. I'm always going to be failing at this this um, act of trying to non-judge. Yeah. And so therefore, I've come up with a different way to look at it, which is look at judgments as those that are harmful to yourself and others. And so if it's about someone, how you, you know, your performance or how you look or how someone else looks or how someone else is their experience, it's about looking at things that are truth, fact, and reality versus those things that are perceived. And so it's working on those things that are, can be harm that are harmful towards someone someone else or toward themselves. And that's the type of non-judging I want someone to focus on. I want all of us to focus on because some sort of judgment, there's not, there isn't anything wrong with judging. It's when it is affecting someone and is harmful. Mm -hmm. There are helpful judgments such as, hey, I should probably look both ways before I cross the street because I might get hit by a car. That's a very useful judgment to have. Right. Absolutely. And that harmfulness, you know, of course, is is one of the key practices, um, avoiding that harmful harmlessness, ahimsa, which was the Gandhi principle of of um, of. Uh, well, I guess there's a lot of different ways you can translate that word, but, um, you know, harmlessness, um, kindness, you know, is another way. So um, really, you know, trying to look at that and practice that as as part of our, you know, moment to moment life. So just mindfulness, turning to mindfulness as a whole. So how does being mindful help us to stress less? Sure. So to me, mindfulness is about being aware of your senses, being aware of your thoughts, being aware of your feelings in the present moment. And then, though, it's what do you do with that? And so to me, a lot of my work now is focused on the now what. So my new book, Taking the Good, and my work um, comes a lot from Rick Hansen and his positive neuroplasticity work. The idea is, is that once you're mindful, though, you can just as easily pay attention and focus on those things that harm you 
as instead of those things that help you because of our um, negative selection bias, that natural tendency to tilt toward the, the negative. What we need to do, all of us, is work toward t tilting toward the positive to engaging our brain, engaging our life so that we're taking in good moments, taking in positive moments and shifting away that negative tilt toward that negative tilt toward the positive. And so for me, it's about being mindful and then focusing in active engagement and focusing on those things that really fill us up, that nourish and support us, those people, the things we like to do, as well as then de decreasing those people that are kind of those haters that are going to hate, that's what teens say, or those things that deplete us or drain us. And it doesn't mean that you have to engage in things, these, you know, firework moments all the time. It's noticing just simple, wonderful things. And to me, that's what mindfulness is about. It's about it is active engagement in paying attention to things that actually support you. I don't want people to just sit there and mindful and sit there in, in their misery, sit there in their pain. It's awareness of, OK, I'm in pain. Pain serves is it provides us with information stress provides us with information it's what we do with it right it's the mm -hmm. it's the blocking it's the uh, resistance it's the adding to it that makes it our situations more intolerable or difficult or painful and so it's being mindful of the moment and then deciding okay do am i am i serving myself right now or am i harming myself right now and can i make adjustments to that to to take in the good to facilitate positive neuroplasticity mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up Rick Hansen. We've actually had Rick on the show, um, I think it's three different times. So if anyone's interested and wants to hear those yoga hours from our archive, it's available at um, Unity Online Radio uh, slash The Yoga Hour. And you can just search in the search box for Rick Hansen and hear a lot more about what Gina was just mentioning, this tendency that our, that our brains have just, you know, arising from our long evolution, you know, to notice more about the negative. And we, um, I think his, his, um, statement was our, our brains are like, um, uh, Velcro for negative experiences and like, uh, Teflon, you know, for positive experiences at the end of the day, you end up remembering, you know, there may have been like all these wonderful things that happened. It could be sunny. There were flowers, beautiful, you know, um, aroma from a blooming rose or something. And at the end of the day, you remember that one comment that someone made to you that was, you know, negative and hurtful. And that's all that you, when you fall asleep, it's kind of all that you remember. And that's our way that our nervous system is wired, but there are definitely lots of things we can do about that. So, so great to have you really, mention that. Really quick. I, I, I joke with Rick. I said that we can become um, Teflon to the negative and Velcro to the positive with mindfulness <laughs> and his skills that we're actually shifting that or that around. Yeah, that's great. So as we've mentioned, you use acronyms uh, in the book and in the first section, uh, it's uh, the acronym is PAWS, P-A-W-S, which I thought was great. Pay attention with senses. So pause, pay attention with senses. And you write, if you are paying attention to any of your five senses, you are in the present right here, right now, which means being mindful. So I thought that was a great reminder that when we are paying attention to our senses, to, you know, to what we're seeing, what we're, you know, feeling, what we're hearing, any of our senses, um, then you are, you are in the present right here and right now. So, um, and I actually called on this in uh, in the little contemplation that I did earlier, talking about you know having people feel where their body is in space, the sense of touch, 
uh, and also, you know, feeling your breath, feeling, you know, where in your body uh, you can feel the cool air entering the nostrils, etc. So tell us more about pause. Why do you think this process of pause or paying attention with senses is important? Well, I think it's a really accessible way for people to be mindful and to be in the now because all when you're paying attention to something in the present with one of your senses, you are being mindful. So if you're seeing something, if you're feeling something, noticing what you hear, all of those things are indicators that you're doing something in this present moment. A lot of times teens will ask me, well, how do I, how do I be mindful? How do I do this mindfulness thing? Well, it's very simple. And if you look back at, you know, the United States and the education system, um, we've, we were, we were taught senses early on. It was like, close your eyes and smell a lemon or taste a lemon, or, you know, we are used to paying attention to our senses. Also, our, our world is kind of through the lens of we experience the world through our senses and we have a lot of sense memory. A lot of our memories come from our senses. They're very strong for us. And so if we ask someone to notice their senses, it, the hope is, is that they're going to be not thinking about something that happened or thinking about what's going to happen, um, but they're actually in the present. And I wrote in my book that people perceive and make sense of their world through their senses. And it's if you think about John Kabat-Zinn's book, it's called, one of his books are called Coming to Our Senses. Mm -hmm. The reason that it's important to pay attention to your senses is that also this is the way to engage in informal practice, that mindfulness during that, you know, 15 and a half hours that we spend just doing everyday life are we can be bringing our sense awareness to all of those moments and making those those moments much richer when we pay attention to our senses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So your book offers um, many of the 50 chapters, you know, are, are about this pause, paying attention with senses. And in the section on paying attention with sight, you write about the importance of both zooming and focusing. And I, I enjoyed that exercise. So you describe it for our listeners? Sure. So I want to give a shout out to my dear friend, Lee Friedman, who first talked to me about zooming in and out with camera. She's a photographer for a, a hobby of hers. And when we were on a retreat in Canada, in Toronto with some teens, we were talking about just the idea that if you have a, a camera lens and you can zoom in and zoom out and shift things and something can be blurry, but then it can come into focus. And, you know, teens have cell phones. Most every teen I know has a cell phone and it has a camera option, most of them. So I figured, well, why not we, why don't we use something they already have? And so I'll do a practice where I'll have teens mindfully walk and just even adults, I've done this with plenty of adults as well. And just take, take pictures of things that catch your eye, that catch your attention and stop what you're doing, stop walking, stop all the other things and just notice what it is you see. And then the thing is interesting about this is that you can actually zoom in on something and take a very zoomed in picture of something, and then you can zoom out and get a larger landscape of it. And it's, so it's, it's changing our perspective. And so when you teach this to someone, it's the idea of paying attention to our senses and what we see, right? Whether we see the landscape, the whole thing, or whether we zoom in and see just part of that whole. But what's interesting is you can take that a whole step further to look at perspective taking. And am I looking at a situation from all sides? Um, a lot of times when we have conflict with people, especially particularly at this time of the year, and you know someone isn't doing what you want or you're having to be inconvenienced in some way, it's 
trying to look at, you know, our part in it, you know, it's like, okay, am I looking at just myself or am I looking at just the other person? And maybe I need to zoom in and out a little bit. Maybe I need to shift my lens, my perspective a little bit. And when you look at it through a camera, you take yourself out of it. It's like, just play the, you know, play the the camera, look at the lens and see, am I a little fuzzy on what this other person might be experiencing? Am I just really zoomed in on myself? And I think that's a really wonderful way for teens to be able to take it a step further too, to be able to use it in their relationships. So mm-hmm. that's that's a little bit a little bit outside of my chapter, but that's what I, I I love when I talk about zooming in and out. Yeah, no, that I actually think you you know you really point to that uh, in the chapter. At least that's what that's the part that I that caught my attention is when you're feeling stuck, you know, using this idea of you know zooming uh, zooming out focusing in, you know, and really seeing, uh, seeing it, it helps you adjust your perspective and, you know, potentially get a different look, you know, at the situation. If you can do that, we tend to get stuck, you know, in uh, uh, a moment of, um, oh, negativity or whatever, you know, and this is, I thought, would be a really helpful way, you know, for people to be able to deal with that. So, um, turning to another one, another pause section, paying attention with touch, um, you write about how it's helpful to pay attention to your grounding focal points. And you've mentioned fingers, hands, and feet, particularly when you're feeling upset or are stuck in your own head, ruminating about a person, place, thing, or situation. So can you say a little bit more about that? How does grounding ourselves when you're in a difficult situation help us to stress less? And we've got about two minutes before the break. Oh, great. Okay. So uh, when I was first introduced to mindfulness, uh, a lot of my work was focused on breathing and, and how you take in breaths and and use breath as a grounding focal point. However, for young people or for people who are novice into practice, focusing on your breath can be very painful and very difficult, painful mentally and difficult because you feel like you're doing it wrong. And so what I wanted to do is create these accessible things that were with us all the time that we can tune and tune toward and turn into, such as our toes and our feet and our hands and our fingers, because those are things that are very, one, they're away from our head, and two, they're not going to cause you distress where you start breathing, changing your breath, and you can feel a lot of nerve sensations on your fingers. You can, if you focus on your feet, maybe you can take a walk and walk on grass if it's safe to do so, and all those things really get you out of your head and away from your chest, whereas a lot of times anxiety is, or in our head, there's a lot of anxiety. So it's getting to, you know, those constants that are with us, such as our fingers or our feet that allow us to really ground us, literally ground us to this moment. Mm-hmm. Now, really being aware of uh, the step that we take, you know, our feet on the floor, feeling our feet inside our shoes, if we're wearing them or socks or whatever, you know, and then feeling the ground beneath them. That's something that that I have found very helpful, you know, as well in my, uh, you know, my experiences of um, really getting stuck in my head you know, and really using that. So I really appreciated that you included that um, in the book. Um, And with that, uh, we're pretty close to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Gina Beagle, author of the book we're discussing today, Be Mindful and Stress Less, 50 Ways to Deal with Your Crazy Life. You can find out more about Gina Beagle, and her name is B-I-E-G-E-L, her books and scheduled events at her website, stressedteens.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. 
I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about mindfulness and how it can help us to stress less. We'll be right back. I'm Diane Ray, Program Director for Unity Online Radio. And from all of us at unityonlineradio.org, thanks for your support and for helping us grow this year. We wish you a joyous holiday season. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back from the break. My guest today is author, psychotherapist, and researcher Gina Beagle, who also has a new book coming out in a few weeks called Take in the Good, Skills for Staying Positive and Living Your Best Life. She's also active on Twitter and Facebook at Stressed Teens. So Gina, the second section of your book after the pause or pay attention with senses part is entitled Self-Care with CARE being an acronym. So what does CARE stand for and why did you include this as a focus of your book? So you referred to a Sanskrit term um, earlier on in the hour and I would like to refer to one of my own that I think is very important and that's Udama. And that is refers to perseverance or resilience. And what I find today is that young people, I, I can really, really need all the support and tools they can get around, you know, human values, around um, becoming well-rounded young adults. And for me, it's it's basically teaching myself the things I wish I knew when I was younger. And self-care is something I've learned as an adult that is beyond important. And I think that a lot of times young people and people think that engaging in self-care is being selfish and it's far from it. And so for me, um, you know, self-care is is giving attention to your physical and psychological well-being, and it's not selfish, it's necessary, because mm-hmm. we really can't be there for other people, can't truly be there for other people if we're not there for ourselves, and you can't pour from an empty water bottle. You can't, you know, it's like when you're, when we, we, I feel like, you know, Ariana Huffington said something like, we take care, better care of our cell phones than we do ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think there's, you know, we get a lot of indicator lights when things are needed. So our car says when we need gas, our phone says when it needs charging. But where, what are our indicator lights saying, hey, we need refueling, we need replenishing, we need nourishing. And so it's, it's really teaching us ways, accessible, quick ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the acronym, the CARE. Do you want to go through that? Well, sure. It's self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-respect, and self-esteem. And That's the thing great. for me is there's so many other words I love to add, right? There's, you know, self-worth and um there's just a lot of other ty- other words you could keep adding into there. It's just that's anything right. that's the good for you things, you know, focusing on respect for ourselves, focusing on compassion for ourselves, as well as for others. But what I find is a lot of times, if we're talking about teens in particular, they're going to be focused outward and not inward. And so it's so important for them to work on those qualities that that nourish themselves as well. Well, what I was um, noticing as I was reading this section is just how many tie-ins there are, you know, with um, yogic practices. So um, in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, the three practices of Kriya Yoga are um, 
self-discipline, self-study, and self-surrender. And I saw so much, you know, um, in the chapters as I was reading this book, you know, so self-study, um, as you write, part of being mindful is to be aware of your relationship with yourself and other people. And that to me is, you know, is self-study, noticing our, you know, being in that present moment, noticing our reactions to people is, you know, part of how we learn. Um, in yoga, uh, as I mentioned, that's also self-discipline and there are um, ethical practices that are part of yoga. So um, compassion and respect are part of harmlessness and uh, also uh, contentment. You know, which is one of the um, one of the niyamas. The yamas and niyamas are these ethical principles in yoga. So again, I saw all these tie-ins as you were writing about self-care, the self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-respect, and self-esteem. So um, in the in that uh, self-care section, uh, one of your chapters is called "Take a Break with the Three Bs." So you do. Do you want to lead us in a little um, in a little practice about that? Yeah, actually, I'm going to do something called a drop-in practice, which is very close. So the, the three Bs are body, breathe, and begin. Um, but with what I wanted to say is there's this thing called a drop-in practice that I created, and is that mindfulness is as easy as one, two, three. So body, breath, and mind. So the only difference is instead of begin, it's the word mind, which is noticing your thoughts and feelings. And so how do I actually have time to lead someone in a practice or not? Tell me what I have time-wise. Oh, no, we've got plenty of time. All right. So, you know, it's what I feel is really important. Oh, just keep in mind, though, that people are often listening while they're driving or what have you. Ah, so. <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. So <laughs> well, you know, They're not going to be able to, like, close their eyes. And <laughs> I have to tell you, there are a lot of times where I'll give people practices to take with them. And they're like, oh, I listened to the body scan while I was driving. It was awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's for people who don't know, the body scan is really paying, you know, like, remarkable attention to, like, different parts of your body, you know, starting with your toes and your feet and your ankles and the idea is you know you're doing it as part of a you know a very prolonged you know relaxation usually with your eyes closed and not driving <laughs> and laying down is preferable so That's right not when you're driving um so why don't I make it a little bit easier for the audience and just talk about the practice so the yeah. idea is is we all sometimes just need to take a little break we need to take a little pause um sometimes it's you know timeouts get a bad rap you know when we think about timeouts we think about you know getting in trouble when you're a kid and being sent to timeout well, what I like to think of is my own mindful pause, my own space. I need to take a break. And so what I find really accessible is checking with our body. Our body provides us with so much information that we often are tuned, not tuned into because we're really up in our head. And so if we really just scan our body from the tips of the toes to the top of the head, almost as a detective, just noticing, noticing what seems normal, seems typical for you, and then just noticing if there's something new or something interesting that arises. And, you know, using your breath as an opportunity to breathe into those areas and also to bring in that cool, calm, clean air and release anything you wish on the out breath. And so the breath is really a connection to the body. It's this anchor point for us. It's something to tune toward anytime you want because it's a constant with us. Same as we were just talking in the previous um, part of this hour about noticing your fingers, you know, noticing the air around and on your fingers and the sensations that are on and around your hands and really noticing those because it's a very, there's a lot of nerves in our hands. So it's an easier way for us to really tune into um, this moment and also checking in with your mind. It's really important to notice, okay, what am I feeling emotionally and what am I thinking? What are the thoughts that are arising in me? Are they things that I have, are 
leading me to feel that I'm angry or sad or worried? Or do I feel joyous and happy and free? And or just I feel, you know, indifferent. This is how I feel right now. This is what I'm thinking right now. It's really about tuning into providing us with information and really a stopgap to allow for our decision making and our ability to respond rather than maybe impulsively react, especially with young people who are doing things, hitting send, even us adults who might hit send on a text that we wish we hadn't or send an email before we read it um, a second time, you know, being able to take, put that little stopgap in and give our, ourselves a moment to check in with ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I would totally underline uh, totally for adults. <laughs> there are so many times I catch myself, you know, um, and uh, using that, using the opportunity to uh, stop, pay attention to the body uh, maybe pay attention to um, the breath, uh, to your thoughts, your emotions, as you said, just to take that little mindfulness, you know, break. So there are lots of ideas, uh, lots of these chapters in the self-care section and too many to talk about today. But I thought one that would be helpful to people during this busy holiday season was mindful downtime. So um, first of all, what are some signs during this busy holiday season that we should pay attention to that we need to take some downtime for ourselves? Well, our body gives us a lot of cues and it's really helpful to turn to them and notice them. And it's not that we want them, but they're going to arise. For example, if we have a headache, if we find that all of a sudden we look in our face, if we tune into our face and notice that our jaw is clenched or that we're grimacing or that our shoulders are raised up or that we're kind of clenching our fist or our breath is shallow or our heart is beating fast all of that provides us with information that maybe we are on uh, we need some downtime that maybe we're you know something's arising in us that we need to take up take that mindful pause away from take some space get some education around what is causing us this distress and there's also a lot of emotional cues you know are you really tired are you having difficulty kind of getting done, getting things done, getting to the next thing? Do you have a hard time taking a shower, getting out of bed, or you find yourself wanting to cancel on someone because you're just tired of, you know, being with people? And and it's important for us just to notice, tune into our physical signs and cues that we need downtime. And just like we would our car, you know, paying attention to, you know, our gauges. And it's not it's very it's not selfish to do so and it's very indicated and important to do so because if we notice something early on you're going to prevent a lot of long-term kind of chronic issues um if you think about a pot with boiling water you know it's either going to boil over or eventually it's going to burn the pan because you've boiled it for so long so it's like notice something as it's arising instead of it waiting till it's going to boil over mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know some people may feel at this time of year that, oh, it's great if I can notice that I need some downtime, but I just don't have time. <laughs> so, but, you know, you do, you know, talk about a lot of ideas that really don't take much time. So you, you write about Rick Hansen's formulation that our fundamental needs are to be safe, to be satisfied and to be connected. So what are some ideas about downtime that people can take during this busy season that might help them feel safe, satisfied or connected? 
Well, I want to point to something I created called level one self-care. So I look at self-care in four levels. So level one is what is something from one minute to 15 minutes every day that you can do that self-care in nature. And so that makes it really easy because time people will tell me, oh, I don't have all day to do something for myself. And it's not about <laughs> doing something all day. It's about, okay, petting your pet. It's about smell spraying perfume or cologne on. It's about taking a shower, watering your plants, having a good cup of coffee, smelling your coffee, you know, putting on some earrings. It's about shaving. It's about, you know, enjoying that cup of tea, um, looking at a flower outside, looking at the sky, um, having texting a nice sweet message to someone in your family or a friend. It's about looking at a picture in your in your photos app that remind that brings you happiness, peace, and joy. So before I got into the safety, being safe, satisfied, and connected, is what are all the things you can do throughout your day that is considered self care in nature? And knowing that if you're engaging in any of those things, you're telling yourself that you matter. If you engage in self care, even from one minute, you are letting yourself know that you matter. Period. No, that's so great, and and that was a great that was a great list, and I think it it uh, just that that idea of the level one, you know, taking it only you know up to fifteen minutes, so one minute to fifteen minutes. Well, everybody has one minute, <laughs> even in this busy season, um, and that, that you just reeled off just off the top of your head. Those are a lot of great ideas, you know, of what uh, of what we can do. So thank you for that. So the last part of your book, you know, the first part, as we said, was pause, pay attention with senses. The second part is about self-care, self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-respect, and self-esteem. And then we turn to ACORN. And I loved this. I loved this acronym. So the last part of your book is about ACORN, always consider other responses now. Always consider other responses now. And I for some reason, I just thought that was so captivating, Acorn, because that's, of course, what we, you know, when we get to the end of the day and we're looking back, at, you know, how things might have been different or what have you, um, you know, that's what we wish we had done, right? You know, we wished we hadn't, you know, um, <laughs> uh, made that rude gesture as we were driving in traffic or <laughs> whatever it is. So um, you, I love the quote that you include from author, psychiatrist, and Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl. So the quote is, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. I'm going to read it again. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. I just love that. So um, what is one practice that you recommend to increase our ability to respond rather than just that knee-jerk reaction? Well, what we were just talking about, you know, is the take a break with the three Bs. It's taking a pause, literally taking a mindful pause before we actually send that text, send that email, or say that next thing. Another thing, too, is this assumption that just because we see someone and we think something does not mean it's true. The the quote I have on my website is, don't believe everything you think. And just because you think it does not mean our our brains aren't always serving us. They're not it's not always in our best interest what our thoughts are telling us. And so it's important for us to literally think about what is another possibility? What's my second thought? And um, there's this idea that first thought is wrong. And for example, let's say you're in a store and some lady gives you this 
you know, kind of snake eye. It was stink eye, a stink eye, not snake eye, stink eye. And she looks at you funny and you think, wow, she really does. She has, she doesn't like me. I, she's really kind of got attitude, et cetera. What if she just bit her mouth, like bit the inside of her cheek and it happened to be grimacing right when you were looking. And so it's the idea that sometimes our brain is actually out of protection, looking for the negative, looking for things that could be possibly like not serving us because maybe that person just bit their mouth and it has nothing to do with you at all. So my, my suggestion would be take a break, take a pause, even brief, uh, ground yourself, notice your feet, notice the air, the sensations on your hand. Um, consider zooming in and out, shifting your perspective, looking at things from different points of view. Um, you know, it's what I call spacious and directed awareness. It's looking at how you perceive things in the world. Um, and I think with this time of year, it's if there's any time to ever um, look at the glass half full, it's now. And why don't we assume that maybe there other people aren't out to get us or other people aren't here to hurt us and, and try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, absolutely. I also, um, you know, when I have those kind of, um, um, you know, moments where I find myself reacting rather, rather than responding, I also just look at, you know, kind of like you were saying, like focus and zoom, you know, so like, you know, zoom out and look at my life, you know, and sort of like what else is out, you know, what else is out of balance? How much time have I devoted to self-care? How much, um, how is my meditation practice, you know, going? Is that, uh, because for me, meditation is is a such an amazing practice to be able to um, extend that space that Viktor Frankl was talking about. That space that we have, it's like it opens, uh, where you realize that you have a choice. You know that you don't need to go down that road that is the you know the maybe the one. Uh, whatever it is that triggers you to uh, whatever negative emotion. So say it triggers you to anger. You know, there are people who get angry, you know, over and over again. Um, and just realize that um, that is not something that you have to get, you know, caught in. And what my own experience was is that when it started to happen for me, that space early in meditation practice, when that space started to open for me, um, what was interesting is it took a while for it to kind of get into real time, you know, so at first I would just react, you know, I would just react to something. And then I might realize like, you know, half an hour later, oh, you know, I reacted. And then after a while, it was like, oh, I could catch myself you know, just after it had happened, you know, so it was closer, you know, and then it actually was in, in real time, you know, and that's when you can actually do something about it. So I wanted to give a little plug for meditation as well. Also, you know, knowing a couple things that come to my mind is that no one can make you feel a certain way. Only we have the ability to take in or not what someone's giving us. And, and so it's important too, is also to assert ourselves. If someone is truly being harmful, how can we use an I message or what I call a my message, mindfulness with an I message, which is take a breath, take a pause and speak from how you feel. And, you know, sometimes you can't tell the person that that's bothering you, how, how you feel, but you can always write it down, you know, and it's a way to process because sometimes there are family members that will rub you the wrong way and say things that are unkind and they know your buttons don't. And so you also want to go into a situation kind of prepared. Okay. This person tends to do this. How am I, how, how can I be around this person? I always think about this taking this, uh, this little, uh, remote control and you go, you have to do this noise. Okay. Go nee, nee, nee. And you engage in this little bubble, this comic bubble, you know, around <laughs> you that you have this invisible space between you and this person. And just because someone gives you something, one, you don't have to take it in. And two, you don't got to give it back. 
and that's and and so it's important i think to really just notice if you feel like you're going to be in a situation that can be rather harmful is to really create that space for yourself and that practice and being in an attitude mindful practice and being in an attitude of gratitude trying your best even when people are really pushing you what am i grateful for right now what are things in my life that are going right what are the basic needs that i have being met for me that this is also an area of rick's work that i i really appreciate it's Hey, am I drinking clean water? Do I have a roof over my head? Do I have warm clothes? Can I? Do I have eyes? Can I see? What are all the wonderful things we do have going right instead of what we what's going wrong? Mm-hmm. Is important. Yeah. No. I I uh, I really appreciated you know that that um, uh, perspective that gratitude practice. Um, so, is there another? We have about. Let's see about. Um, gosh, I think about uh, almost five more minutes. So is there another practice that you'd like to talk about from uh, the ACORN uh, section? Another um, thing that you'd like to discuss? I would love to actually just discuss another um, practice. It's a positive neuroplasticity practice. It's called HOT. It's basically how do you take in positive experiences? How do you take an experience and let it lead to a lasting resource? Yeah. And so hot, if you think about a fire, you need, you know, kindling and oxygen and, and matches, right? So you get your fire going, which is having a beneficial experience or going and create one. So in your environment, notice something that's notice something that is pleasurable in your environment or go and seek it out. So right now I have a lovely cup of coffee. So that's going to be mine. So I'm having a nice experience and then I'm going to, oh, open to the experience. So open my senses to it. I'm going to notice my feelings, my mood. I'm going to notice maybe the smell of my coffee, notice the cup it's in. Just notice all I can about that. And then tea, take it in. Really savor that next sip of that coffee. Really savor the warmth of it, the smell of it. Let it sink into you like water gets absorbed into a sponge. So H-O-T. So have a beneficial experience, open to it and take it in. And what positive neuroplasticity teaches us that if we spend 12 seconds a day, six to nine times a day, we're engaging our brain away from that negative selection bias, that negative tilt to the positive. We're creating new neurons that are really supporting our growth and our well-being. And what's so cool when you're engaging in this hot, uh, this acronym, you're also resourcing yourself. And what that means is basically you're putting coins into a bank. You're every time you're doing self engaging in self-care, engaging in gratitude, engaging in hot, you're taking these moments, these wonderful nourishing moments, and you're basically creating a bank so that you're more and more able and better able to tolerate difficulties and tolerate when things are hard because pains are part and parcel of life. Stress is part and parcel of life. It's how you how you manage it, how you deal with it. And so it's if we can fight that negative selection bias by taking in all the positive moments and all the pleasant things that are there to be seen that often go missed. It's like Martha Graham. She says we often miss these wonderful moments. They often go unnoticed and unused. And it's like, let's take those moments in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's great. I I, um, uh, this idea of uh, positive neuroplasticity that we can really you know, change our brains is uh, is just a really wonderful and empowering one. So here we are, the last couple of minutes. So in closing, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners? I would say that instead of giving presents, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, give your presence, P-R-E-S, 
E-N-C-E. I had to look down to see how to spell that. <laughs> Give the gift of presence. Give the gift of yourself, you know? And, and it doesn't mean just giving yourself to other people. It's giving yourself to you. Giving yourself the time to do something you enjoy right now. Even if you're really, really busy, do something you love, you know, make a flower arrangement. Um, which is one of my favorite things, you know, take a walk with your dog, let your dog walk you instead of walking your dog, unless you have a crazy dog, then, you know, you need to be more on top of that. But, you know, draw, draw a picture of a tree. It doesn't have to be really fancy and put leaves on that tree and fill in those leaves with all the things you're grateful for right now. There's lots of little ways, quick, accessible ways to do that. So it's, and don't forget that self-care is not being selfish. It's necessary. Yeah. Well, that's so great. So with that, we've come to the close. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and we've been discussing Let's Stress Less with author, psychotherapist, and researcher Gina Beagle, focusing on her book, Be Mindful and Stress Less. You can find out more about Gina, her books, and schedule at her website, Stressed teens.com. Thank you so much for this conversation, Jean. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks for sharing your time with me. And thank you listeners for being here today. Mm-hmm. So join us for our next program. Next yoga hour will be on January 9th when my guest will be Jeevana Heyman, author of Accessible Yoga, Poses and Practices for Every Body. We will, discuss, we will be discussing that yoga really is for every body, even if your body doesn't look like the ones on the covers of yoga magazines. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast. You can find it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying the podcast, think about talking about it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producer, Ann Hayes, CSE's global media outreach manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. Once again, our guest has been uh, Gina Beagle, B-I-E-G-E-L, and her website is stressedteens.com. Um, this is uh, the Yoga Hour. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Gina, you want to say goodbye? Oh, everyone, uh, consider what brings you happiness, peace, and joy today and engage in that, please. Oh, lovely. And uh, until next year, take care. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 